0: Welcome to The Buyer's Mind, where we take a closer look deep inside your customer's decision-making mechanism to reverse engineer the perfect sales presentation. Now please welcome your host, Jeff Shaw. Well, Welcome, everyone, once again to The Buyer's Mind. I am your host, Jeff Shore. We have a special episode today. We are going to interview three sales leaders who are all award-winning. And I mean award-winning like on a national level. It's a great interview. If you're a sales leader, if you want to know how sales leaders think, or if you want to be a sales leader one day, this is for you. Uh, stay tuned. You're going to love this conversation. Well, I'm absolutely thrilled to have three really sharp thinkers uh, in the area of sales management. And, you know, we talk about sales managers being good and accomplished and all this stuff, but how about award winning? The three people we're going to talk to today are, in fact, award winning. Uh, They are um, recipients of the Gold Award uh, from the National Association of Home Builders at the Nationals uh, show and uh, very, very good at what they do. Three very, very smart people. Uh, we have uh, with us today uh, from uh, Colorado, Elisa Poncher, from uh, Texas, Chris Hartley, and from Missouri, we have Jody Palin. So uh, welcome. So glad to have you with us. And uh, welcome to the Buyer's Mind, everybody. How you doing? Doing great.
1: Doing
2: great. Thanks for having us. It's
0: doing great, Jeff. Thanks. Let's have some fun. Uh, we're, we're just going to chat a little bit about sales management. We'll have a, a casual conversation and figure out, out a little bit about this thing that we call sales management. Uh, the three that I have on the phone are all in the home building industry. If you're listening from a different industry, I think you'll still enjoy this very, very much. So let's just j- dive right in. Uh, first question for the panel. Uh, tell us about the toughest part or parts of your job. What is it that makes your job particularly challenging?
3: I'll, I'll go ahead and jump in on that one. Sure. The most difficult thing about being a sales manager and a sales coach is not forgetting that your number one job is to support your team and to be a coach. My toughest obstacle is getting stuck in the office too much, uh, being included in too many emails, forgetting that my number one priority is to support the people in the field and that a strong sales leader is not uh, something to be had if you're sitting behind your desk the whole time.
0: Chris Hartley, why do you think that is? Why is it so difficult? I mean, it's it, we look at it and we think that that should be a blinding flash of the obvious. And yet, for so many managers from, I would dare say, most managers, that's a really, really difficult thing to accomplish.
3: I think the biggest challenge with that is you, when you're in the home building industry, for instance, you are surrounded by many other types of leaders in your organization, such as a division president, VP of purchasing, VP of customer service, VP of construction. And oftentimes those people are not in the field as much as what an on-site salesperson uh, is or what a sales leader should be. So for instance, the division president typically doesn't come from the sales side of the business. They don't understand what it takes to uh, get, get out there and get the job done. So it's easy for them to schedule meetings and expect you to be in the office at all times because they're in the office at all times. Jody, Alyssa, any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with Chris. Uh, getting out in the field is so important and you can't forget that the salespeople are the ones that are counting on you in, in their daily lives and you you do need to have that face to face with them all the time. Uh, I think for me, the biggest challenge is wearing so many different hats and doing having so many different tasks and roles and working interdepartmentally that um, I struggle with sometimes doing everything Uh, You know, 110 percent. And so sometimes I'm a little hard on myself as a leader, just trying to get everything done the way I want it done and, uh, you know, get over the perfectionism.
0: Anything else that makes the job particularly difficult?
1: I think, Jeff, from my
2: perspective as a sales um, leader and coach, what's really important is we may not be able to be out in the field all the time, but making the time out in the field as impactful as possible, it's easy to get out on site and be with our people and start solving problems instead of coaching. And I think it's really important that as sales leaders and coaches that we really have identified purpose when we get out there it's easy to get derailed.
0: Uh, what's the best part of the job?
2: Oh, watching your team be successful and mm-hmm. grow and get better and their growth and results are um a reflection of your efforts and hard work. So when you see them
1: succeed, you succeed.
3: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. When we've trained on a certain topic at a sales rally and then we've practiced it and then they resulted in a sale and they tell us about it and say, that worked, that really worked. That's just, that's absolutely the most rewarding thing we could ever Mm -hmm. have.
0: Now, along those lines, though, we always love it when we see salespeople who are performing at a very high level when they're doing the things we want them to do. And uh, we always take a certain sense of pride in that. But I'd like to hear from each of you on this. What Specifically, it drives you crazy when you see a salesperson doing something that you would rather not see. What is that? What 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 does a salesperson do that drives you a little nuts?
3: For for me, I would say in general, it's just being lazy. You know, we have expectations as sales leaders that we've hired the best of the best, and we, you know, the three of us all truly believe we have the best people on our teams that we have. But when we see habits happen that are not in the training or in the beliefs that we have, whether that be inputting customers into your CRM, whether it be doing effective follow-up or just responding to an email in a timely fashion. It's things like that because we as leaders hold ourselves to such a high standard that when we don't get it in return, I know for me personally, I get really disappointed and really just frustrated, not only at them, but at myself uh, because I look at it and I say, okay, where, where did I take this or what expectation did i miss giving to my people that they thought that that was okay. Jody, at least. Yeah,
1: de- uh, definitely the lack of the CRM usage and follow-up makes me crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. when i jump into our CRM and see that, you know, they haven't done anything with it in a while and I uh, just it it makes us crazy because we are we're teaching them things and we're trying to have them succeed and it's really just going to benefit them uh, and us all together as a team and so when they don't try that that kind of thing that's when um, it does get frustrating and you you just kind of bang your head against the wall wondering Mm -hmm. you know where did I go wrong so that makes me crazy the other thing is just um, showing up uh, on a daily basis, and not showing up with the intent that they're going to sell a home that that, that day. Uh, I think sometimes the attitude comes down, and they they show up, and they're put off by the fact that they have to be there for what like a whole six hours during the day, and uh, make good use of their time. Um, but you know they're going there to sell home, and they're sitting in a chair with a lot, millions of dollars worth of volume that um, they're responsible for ultimately. And uh, sometimes it's not taken as seriously as it should.
0: Before I hear from Elisa, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in on that one too. Uh, this is uh, if I was going to answer that question, I would have said what drives me crazy is uh, half engagement, uh, which is what I think Jody was just talking about there—the idea that. Um, when that customer walks through the door, are they getting the very best version of that salesperson? And over and over again, what we see are salespeople that are sort of going through the motions. They're kind of half engaged. There's not that sense of expectation and intentionality and enthusiasm or even a really strong desire uh, to try and figure out what's really going on in the life of the person who's standing in front of them right now. I'm I'm certainly not describing every salesperson. I'm just saying when it When I walk into a sales office and I see that kind of attitude, it just drives me a little bit nuts. Alisa, what are you thinking?
2: Well, you know, I think in a lot of our markets, we've seen um, salespeople who haven't had to be great salespeople. They've been able to be order takers a little bit, and we haven't um, always done the best in giving our customers the best experience. And as things have slowed down a little bit, I think it's really frustrating to see that they have forgotten um, some of the basics and that our job is there to provide a great experience and to help our customers um, make a great buying decision. And we can't do that when we're in that order um, taking mentality. And so, that's
0: really frustrating to me. How how do you all coach the veterans? There are some people who have been doing sales for a long time uh, in the, the building industry and most industries. And um, it's, it is possible that over time, I'm sure you've all seen it, where you've got somebody who says, yeah, I, I pretty much got this. And uh, in some cases might be uh, so bold as to say to a sales manager, you know, I've been doing this for a really, really long time. So um, you should probably go coach the newbie, but I'm fine uh, over here. How do you coach the veteran who perhaps doesn't necessarily want to be coached?
2: I believe that it's always um, about really making sure that we all don't get complacent, I guess, in what we do on a daily basis. Personally, I'm always striving to get better. And as an experienced salesperson, I would put that out there. You're great at what you do,
3: but we can always get better and try and coach from that perspective. I've been fortunate. When you know when I took over the role with my organization six and a half years ago, I did have some really tenured salespeople. But the first thing I did is make sure that they understood that I was there to support them and that my goal was to make their lives easier. And when they bought into the fact that I was there as a support role for them and that my goal was to help make their lives easier, to help them accomplish their dreams and their goals and their ambitions, They very quickly turned on to the fact that they were okay with listening to what I had to say or to change or to tweak. One other thing that we do, though, is when we implement anything in my organization, we never implement it to everybody. We implement it only to a few. And sometimes those few are the veterans, sometimes they are uh, what we would call a rookie. But when they see that it's effective or they see that it's working for others, I'm very fortunate that I feel that I have those tenured people that want to catch on to it and always be better. And with that, today, a large part of it is technology. And when oftentimes you say tenured salespeople, not to put a a stereotype to this, but oftentimes we think of salespeople that have been doing this a long time or people in the later part of their careers, which oftentimes is a fear that technology won't be something that they gravitate to there's that old saying that technology won't replace the salesperson, but the salesperson that utilizes the technology will replace the one that doesn't. I've been saying that quote for six and a half years here because we are very big believers in technology, and all of my veterans have very quickly caught on to it and, and embraced it, and oftentimes are leading the charge.
0: But but what do you do when they don't? All right, sometimes they don't. I I, I, I love what you're saying there, and I, I I'm not going to disagree that it's it's a valid point. But sometimes you have salespeople that just. They don't want to do it. They they just like, no, I've got this down.
3: So, you know, there's been a, there's been a few instances where that's actually happened. And so what I'll do is is I'll sit down with them and try to understand where they're coming from. You know, sitting down with them and saying, Okay, help me understand why. You don't think that what we're trying to implement is actually going to be effective and, and talking to them and and understanding their methods or believing in in why they don't want to do something has been very effective because oftentimes it'll bring up some objections on some things that were really going to help me further down the way that I myself didn't even see, you know, they, they've been through what they say. They've been through it all. They've seen it all. They've been successful. They know it works, but they also understand that the times are changing and buyers today are far different, uh, Today than what they were two years ago, so Mm -hmm. understanding why they are uh, not wanting to do something has really helped us have a very honest conversation with each other to say, look, um, let's give it a shot. And if you know after you give it a shot, because I'm asking for your respect as your leader to to do me a favor and and humor me if nothing else. Try it, and if it still doesn't work, then let's talk through it from there. And been very fortunate that it has always worked, um, or maybe I'm just lucky enough to have enough people on my team that humor me and uh, and doing what they're you know asked to do.
1: I'm just gonna say, I mean, Chris touched upon the respect, and I think if you have the respect of your team, they're gonna work towards trying to do things for you. Um, but I also think we have to. Recognize the individual salesperson's strengths, and all those strengths are different. Um, just coming from a, a teaching background, you know, you have to see how they learn, and everyone learns on in a different way. And everyone has different strengths. I have salespeople that are great with numbers and very analytical and data driven. And then I have salespeople who are just excellent at marketing. So I try and draw into their strengths and teach each other on the team. And I find that they when they actually see that they're making a difference and they're they're training and doing some cross peer training with one another, that's when they let go of their um their attitudes and and see that they're they're actually making a difference. So it it, it takes a while to do that, but we've worked on that for a few years and I'm seeing the the um veterans kind of let go of their their um superior mindset.
0: But you you bring up an interesting point, and that is that every salesperson is different. Some are really really strong in one area, weak in another. Uh, we we get into this idea that we want our salespeople to be great at everything, which is really uh, uh, quite frankly yeah. contradictory to human nature. So so what do you do? I mean, on the one hand, you, you know you don't want to slacken your standards and and give people passes. On the other hand, uh, there are salespeople who. Yeah, they might be really good at the sales side, not so good at the administrative side, but administration is still a part of the job. So how do you adjust your management style uh, according to that salesperson, or do you?
1: Well, with a lot of patience. <laughs> so you, you have to have patience, and I, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I let things go, and uh, if they're still succeeding and they're still selling, maybe I let the admin go a little bit, um, I still feel like you have to hold everyone accountable, but sometimes the more you encourage and capitalize on their individual strengths, I think the other things fall into place a little naturally after that.
2: I agree with that. I also think, Jeff, um, and you're a proponent of this as well, that it's really important to have those one-on-one times away from the sales office with your sales team where you're really sitting down and getting to know each person and what motivates them and what's important to them and always doing those depositive deposits in their mental bank. So, when you do have to have those tough conversations and ask something of them that's maybe not as pleasant or something that they love to do, um, they feel somewhat of a commitment to you as well.
0: Uh, what about newbies? When you're when you've got somebody who's new to the team and and maybe new to the industry, this this might be early on in their sales career. What advice do you give early on to make sure that they're that they're pointed in the right direction?
1: Well, I think that it, in fact that's funny you mention it because I was just uh, interviewing someone today who's a potential candidate and a newbie, and we discussed all the resources that we offer and the training we provide and they just have to embrace that. They have to embrace it and take it on and work hard and keep trying and not give up. And then the, you know, the sales will come from that if they really take it seriously and take it as their, their new career, their newfound career. So I think they just have to they just have to work really hard with uh, what we have to offer them, which is a lot.
2: I've always loved working with newbies who haven't been in the industry because they don't come in with um, bad habits and baggage and fed in their ways of doing things, and they're almost always so incredibly open to learning and wanting to be successful that we really have an opportunity to coach them into being the type of salespeople we want on our team
3: yeah with my organization you know i've been in charge for six and a half years although i started with some salespeople, uh, i started with six sales three of those people are still here in the six and a half years i've been here I've only hired two people with experience. I'm actually a huge believer in hiring what we call a junior sales manager or people that have no experience whatsoever in the industry that want to get in. So I hire for attitude. I hire for goals and dreams and aspirations to make their lives and their families' lives better. And there's a huge appreciation from them to our organization to give them that opportunity that they soak up everything. It's, it's incredible. We have next to no turnover in a six and a half year time frame. And there's a saying that I use all the time is God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. And you need to listen to everything and just take it in. And that's the same thing on the sales floor too, is listen to what your prospects are asking or, or telling you they need. They're, they're begging you to make their lives better.
1: Yeah, and they're the they're the more loyal ones too. They're the ones that are going to stay long term when they find mm-hmm. success through this.
0: You know, when we look at the world of sales, one thing that's interesting is that it's a, an individualized uh, uh, vocation in the sense that you you are your own shop, your own store. You're commissioned uh, usually in sales, um, and yet you want to create a team dynamic. And there are different schools of thought on this, right? There are some, uh, I remember having uh, Jeffrey Gittimer on the podcast and he was adamant that, you know, people don't care what the success is of other people around them on the team. They, they care about how successful they are and that's where it really stops. And he and I debated that <laughs> for a little bit as uh, Jeffrey is so uh, to do. Uh, h- how do you do that? How do you create a team culture in an individualized atmosphere?
1: For for me, it starts with sales rallies and coming together. And every time we meet, they, they want to leave excited and feel like they're a team. That's my main goal is to make sure that they come together, not as individuals and leave as individually successful salespeople, but leave feeling as a part of something big and so it, it it starts with that, and then you know we do a lot of uh, incentives and celebrations. We celebrate the wins and um, share share successes with one another and pat each other on the back. We buddy up and uh, swap communities or swap listings and check on each other and hold each other accountable. So there is that that whole team spirit that falls through with that.
3: Yeah. I mean, I'll jump exactly onto what Jody was saying. It starts with your sales rally and it starts with having the mentality that you are a family. So, you know, when you are a family, that's, that's a very impactful word to me. And the team knows that they are loved and supported by everybody in that room. And when they are having a bad day, or they need to pick me up they can count on anybody within that room but you don't just you don't just use the word we're a family and expect things to happen you have to truly create the atmosphere that you care about each other and we were able to accomplish that about a year and a half ago we had a really unique sales rally where we had everybody within the sales organization put up on a board in our sales meeting room where we it was it was titled dreams goals and ambitions and they each stood up and put a picture of something that they wanted to accomplish for the year and a goal that they had or a dream or an aspiration and it was very heartfelt and very meaningful for the entire team and a lot of people had a lot of tears in that room. And when you got to break down the barriers of saying, okay, I'm a salesperson, I'm the number one person in this room, I have an ego, whatever it may be, things that come along with being a salesperson because we are different people in in general, when they could break down those barriers and see that we all have uh, a reason behind what we're doing, but if we can all support each other in getting there, we can have so much more fun along the way and be supportive because there are times when you are sitting in your sales office alone and things aren't going well, where you can get pretty depressed and you can get a pretty dark spot and you need the love and support of your team to get you out of that.
0: How did did you think about your, how you manage your own job, how you manage your own mindset? Because one of the things that you're charged with doing as a sales leader is uh, you're the emotional Leader of the team. And if you're down in the dumps, if you're having a bad day, if you're emotionally off your game, it's going to be uh, translated or picked up on by your salespeople. So, what do you do to stay in the mental groove? Or maybe it's just what do you do to keep your head from exploding?
3: I stay away. So, I know that sounds weird, but if if I'm having a bad day, if I know that things are not and there are times when you wake up and you just know things aren't going to go right. You may have been hit with an email from Uh, an upset buyer or an agent or something at six o'clock in the morning that just totally derailed you the first thing. If I know I'm going to have one of those days, I will let my team know I'm going to be having a Starbucks day. And I go to Starbucks and I drink way too much coffee and I sit in front of my computer and I just get through some emails and I get through some of the mundane work that needs to be done as a sales leader because I don't want to pollute the environment of my team at all. Uh, And I have a very close team. So if I somehow get in that mindset or that funk midway through the day, my team is close enough to me to say, Hey, you're having a day. You need, you just need to go. Uh, and I'll listen to that and I'll shut my computer down and I'll, I'll leave the office because I don't want to impact their day.
1: Yeah. I think scheduling time off is really important. I know Jeff, you and I have talked about that this year. That was really big on my plate was to make sure that I had a better balance of work and uh, home life. And I, I also find that when I have a bad day at the office, the only cure for that for me is to get out in the field. I'm a salesperson at heart. I've been in their shoes and sat on site for many, many years. And that's the best cure for that is to get out in the field and it rejuvenates me. And so... Uh, I always look forward to that. I schedule and block my time uh, for Thursdays and Fridays or field days, and set good expectations with everyone in the office that I'm not around. I'm out there, and it, it really does work. And just scheduling consistent time off, and just have that mental mental health day monthly, and just drop drop everything. Uh, it's good for the team and it's good for me. And my team respects that and they honor it. They, they let me take the last week and a half off. It's my first day back. And uh, I took a solid week and a half off over the holidays and they, they didn't bother me. And you know what, the world didn't fall apart. So uh, it was much needed. And uh, I think everyone around, around me respects that. And and I come back rejuvenated and ready to go.
0: Let's uh, suppose we've got somebody here who is either... Well, let's let's do this uh, in two different ways. Let's suppose we've got somebody who's listening right now who wants to be a sales leader. They want to move into that sales management role. They're in sales now, but they, they want to prepare themselves. What advice would you give to somebody who's in sales now, but one day would like to step into the sales leadership role?
2: I would just say there's two things. I think it's always important to have a conversation with your sales manager and let them know that that's what your long-term goal is if they don't already know that so that they can help mentor you in that way. But it's also about seeing things from a higher level. As a salesperson, when I was out on site, I can speak from personal experience. You see things on how they affect you and how you need to get the sale and as a sales leader, you need to look at the bigger picture, how it uh, affects your company, how it affects your customer, and there's a big difference in being able to see things from a higher higher level than just from that one singular level.
1: Yeah, that that's super important, and I I agree um, with with Alyssa that the the salesperson doesn't always let a sales manager know what they're aspirations are. And they, they do need to talk to us and tell us if they're interested in, in going in a different path or a different direction in a higher level. And I, I'd want to see someone always striving to be a lifelong learner. I'd, I'd like them to be curious and uh, ask questions, read books, um, you know, push through challenges and changes and try new things. Uh, if I you know, I see that and that drive and that hunger. Uh, that's that's what I would you know want to see in a future leader.
0: What about uh, for the the new manager, somebody who's going to be starting next week? They've never been a sales manager before. What advice would you give to that person?
3: I would say buckle up. Um, <laughs> there's there's something there's so many great things you know when i wanted to be uh, you know piggybacking from the last question i had always wanted to be in management and uh, a gal that is a very dear friend of to me today i still talk to her daily she said be careful for what you wish for um and i said why is that and she said well just make sure that your intentions are genuine that you want to be a manager because you truly want to lead and inspire not because you think that it's going to give you some sort of a power trip or you know for what we do for a living it's going to give you weekends off because that's the farthest thing from the truth But if I had a young manager uh, that was going to be starting with me to lead other people, I would say uh, to first understand those that you wish to lead before them. I think far too often people jump in and think because they have a title that they are now entitled. So, you know, earn the trust, earn the respect from your team, understand their wants, their needs and their motivations, and you can become an extremely effective leader.
1: Yeah, and continue to ask for help, too. I've been very fortunate to have mentors in my life and my bosses, and, you know, they've always been so supportive of helping me along the way uh, because, you know, just because you step into that role doesn't mean that the learning stops and you don't you you, you know it all because you don't, and uh, don't be afraid to continue asking for that help. I would
2: just say be open to learning. Because just when you become a manager, the learning doesn't stop. And you are a mentor to so many. And it's easy to really get sidetracked on the things that don't matter. And it kind of goes back to where this call um, or this podcast started. And that is being out in the field and getting to know your team. Don't get sucked up in the things that don't matter.
0: Last question here, uh, last piece of advice uh, for you to give to our listeners, uh, especially to our sales management listeners out there. Um, What do you do at the end of the day in order to shut it off and not take your work home with you?
3: I would say that's honestly my biggest struggle. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I I have young children, so I try to make sure that when I'm there with them, that it's... the time is genuine, and that the phone is away, and that the computer is away, but i found, because the job is very demanding at times, that I'm picking up the phone and the computer as soon as they're in bed, and I'm focusing on that for a couple hours, but my struggle as a leader is definitely putting it away. I I would say that's my biggest fault.
1: With me, I I set expectations. My sales team, who will probably be listening to this, they know that sleep is very important to Jody. And so <laughs> I, <laughs> so they know that they're not going to get a hold of me after 10 p.m. And uh, you know, oftentimes they'll text me at 9:30. Are you still up? Are you still up? <laughs> and, and so, but they they know this over the years that there's going to be certain times. I'm I'm usually available at the end of the day for them if they need something before they leave. And then I'll probably be off the grid for a few hours uh, with my family and my family time. And just uh, having those expectations set. And I, I set them with people in the office too. And uh, it just seems to uh, everyone respects it and then they discover that it's good for them as well. So... Uh, but they know that if it comes to making a sale, I'm always going to be there for them uh, day or night uh, with some limitations, of course, for Jody sleep. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well said. And, and I, I, I just have to jump in here because uh, I, I just think it's it's uh, foolish those people who look at it and say, no, 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 no. All you have to do is just work uh, you know 120 hours a week and you'll figure this job out. And I would say if you work 120 hours a week, Which is not possible, by the way, you'll die. (laughs) Right. And you'll be of no good to anybody. So, yeah, go ahead, Elise. Yeah.
2: I was just going to say when I first became a sales manager, I became a problem solver for my team. And I took all their calls on weekends and at night. And um, I became really burned out. And what I finally realized is that if you enable your team to make some decisions and you aren't always the only problem solver, pretty soon those calls start to diminish. And then I'm only, I was only getting the calls that were truly to make a sale. And sometimes we just need to make sure that we're not making it too easy for our team to always reach us and being available, but also having that work-life balance because we can't be the best leaders that we can be if we're burnt out.
0: There you go. I love it. I love it. I love it. There you go. Uh, Three of the most talented sales leaders that you're going to find out there today, uh, Elisa Poncher, Jody Palin, Chris Hartley. Thank you so much for your wisdom, your expertise, and your counsel on the buyer's mind. Appreciate you all. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff.
0: Well, thanks once again for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. You can leave a review there as well. We'll talk to you next time on The Buyer's Mind. Until then, go out there and change someone's world.